and welcome to the first in a series of winter break episodes of Box Cutters. My name is Josh Canal, sitting directly across from me. Controversial. John Richards. Hello, listener. And sitting in a room somewhere else in the world, Brett Cropley. But, but with a lovely voice. Oh, yeah. Totally. Gorgeous voice. Totally lovely voice. It, it's not actually any, any, you know, just in case anyone thinks it is some sort of plot. It's not a plot that not, Brett isn't here. Not in any way a plot. No, no. Just, uh, uh, you know, none of us really had a time where we could all come together. And you will be hearing quite a bit of Brett in a bit and quite a not bit of me. Of, of you, because you, you don't appear. In... I, I will not be appearing, no. Because this is kind of like a, a best of. We're revisiting some things that we've done in the past in Box Cutters. So you are going to hear the voice of one Mr. Ross McQueen. Ross McQueen. Uh, and it's such a pleasure to, you know, you're great, John. Don't get me wrong. Look, I'm passable, but I'm no Ross McQueen. You're no let's, Ross McQueen. Let's be honest. I mean, you try. You've got a beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross has a beard. I have a go. But no. But no. no. Tonight it'll be the original and the best, the Ross McQueen It, it will be. Himself. It will be Ross McQueen. Uh, so enjoy that. Uh, first, we're going to hear a review I did all the way back in episode 14. Oh, episode 14. Uh, of, uh, of the UK 1960s series called The Prisoner, which we've mentioned a few times on Box Cutters. And I have referred people back to episode 14 if they wanted to hear the review. But, John... Yeah, you don't have to go back. I actually requested this one. I was listening to some some early episodes to try and find some bits that I thought would be good to to let you you hear without you having to sit through 20 minutes of news that you now already know. So, um, yes, I... I... (laughs) Sorry, I just... There is is one episode that, uh, as I was editing these together, I was listening and uh, and I, I think I said... Can we talk about this this rumor? Is is it an official rumor? Can we talk about this rumor? Eddie Maguire is going to be the head of Channel Nine. Oh, that's just crazy too. I know. Like, so, that, like that would ever come true. That's why you don't need to sit through the news. <laughs> but um, this is, I thought was an interesting chat with you boys about um, an excellent yeah, cult TV show, The Prisoner. Box cutters. Box cutters. Box cutters. Box cutters. During the week, you caught up with your friend Justin. Yes. <laughs> what a lovely fellow. Cheers yes. to you, Justin. Mm-hmm. Cheers. That's the end of my segment. Okay. <laughs> Coming uh, up on box. <laughs> he lent me he lent me his DVDs of The Prisoner, which he was telling me about ages ago. And let's go even further back than earlier this week. In 1991, I worked in a video store. Mm-hmm. The Prisoner was a TV show that was available on VHS for rental at $1 a week. Yep. So really, no one was rent- renting it. One guy came in and went, oh man, you've got The Prisoner. And it's $1 a week. Fantastic. And leaves with an armful of them. Quite frankly, I didn't care if I never saw him again. Right? <laughs> was, it, was it me? No, it wasn't you. Because uh, we it, watched all The Prisoner on video. <laughs> and so I had... Because, you know what? The cover for the video was just so terrible. I had no idea what this show was about. I thought it was just... I thought it was like porridge, but serious. <laughs> that, was, that was my understanding. Anyway, so my mate Justin says, you have to watch this show, The Prisoner. It's excellent. And my mind goes back to 10 years ago, 10, 15, <laughs> when, uh, uh, when this guy said, oh, The Prisoner, it's one of the best shows ever made. And I went, all right, you know what? I'll give it a go. I was hooked after the first 30 seconds. That's yep. just because you were on drugs, wasn't it? And no. It was just really fitting in with your trip. No, it had nothing to do with the fact that I was on drugs. Really? <laughs> yeah. The drugs were separate. Completely separate. <laughs> the... Uh, Okay, so, so the show starts with this guy driving a fast car, really fast, through the streets of London. He goes to this secret underground office, kind of, you know, Maxwell Smart style, gets there, 
throws down a resignation letter, screams at the guy he's resigning to, and uh, and goes back to his flat. Meanwhile, we see uh, all of this information that shows us that he has resigned and he is no longer a member of that organisation. Typewriter putting crosses over <laughs> over his ID. He's put in a uh, his file is put in a file drawer that just says resigned. We should mention while you're talking about the style, it is uh, very sixties. It is. It is so nineteen sixties. It looks like the saint. Yeah. It looks just. I just, I just thought with all no, that uh, information, that might be. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so people are visualising this in that sixties kind of way. Because he's well dressed, but wearing a black skivvy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's fantastic. And uh, and and he gets to he gets to his apartment, and uh, there's this, been this Rolls Royce following him the whole time, and someone comes out of the Rolls Royce and blows some kind of smoky gas through the keyhole. He chokes, falls down, wakes up. In what looks like his apartment, but when he opens the window, there's this tiny village outside. <laughs> and he's on an island. <laughs> and he's on the island. Or they just call it the village. Oh, okay. He's, he's in the village. And, uh, and he's basically been sent there because the powers that be want to know why he's resigned. Yep. And, uh, and he doesn't want to tell them. And so this prison... It's like a small village. Everyone else is really, really happy to be there. And, you know, there are old people there who treat it like a retirement community. But at the same time, it's all a little bit twisted. And kind of think of the island uh, that The Wicker Man, the film The Wicker Man was based on. It's all just that little bit creepy. Everyone's having a little bit too much fun. No one really knows what's going on. Are all the other villagers other resigned agents? Some of them are resigned agents. Some of them are pretending to be resigned agents. Some of them are just there for the job. And everybody on the island, whether they're a prisoner or they work there, is assigned a number. Yes. yes. No one No one has a name. Everybody has a number. Everybody has a number. He is number six. Mm-hmm. He uh, is constantly interrogated by number two. Yes. And uh, you know what? The, the only problem I have with this show is that the opening credits go on for way too long. They really go on for about two and a half minutes. Um, I'm interested. How, how far through it are you? I've watched the first five episodes. And of? Of 20. Is 20 all they made? I think so. Have you found oh, out why he resigned? I thought, I thought they would have made more than 20. Is, no. that, is 20 just season one or is that the, is that a complete series? I don't know. There are five, there are five DVDs with uh, four episodes each. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see. Uh, yeah, I'll be very but interested. It only, it only ran for around 1967 to 1968. Okay. I'll be very interested to see what you think the more you get into it. Really? Now I'm intrigued. Does it get better or does it get worse? I'm, I'm not going to say. I'll be okay. interested to see what you think. I, like I said, I've, uh, my wife and I, uh, back in our younger days, uh, probably not that long after your 1991 experience, actually did hire all the prisoner and watched it straight through. And so, yeah, so I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Okay. A big friend fan of mine actually, uh, a video library, had the videos and, and had, had enough and they were selling them. And picked them up for two. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. See, that's, and it's it really is. It really is a great series. It, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look as terrible as the Saint looks now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look as uh, terrible as a lot of nineteen sixties shows look because it's so confined in this bizarre world of the village. Well, actually, the episode that I saw, he got off the island and ah, got back to swinging London. But did he? And then he was taken back. Yeah. See, I... Ah. Because yeah, he found a raft and he... 
Well, interesting, interesting that you should say that because uh, our listeners and the general population out there is probably much more familiar with the Simpsons parody. Simpsons actually did oh, a parody of which. Oh, there it was called the Island. The Island, but they did a they did a parody which pretty much the whole episode was devoted to parodying different bits of the prison. That's the Mister X. Yes, Mister X episode. Yep, yep, and the one where uh, they replace Homer's wife with. Uh, a German. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's much more efficient. <laughs> One of the things I don't get about... Oh, sorry. I, I also forgot to mention that uh, another great thing is that number two, every week, tries to get this information out of number six, mm-hmm. who is uh, played by uh, Patrick McGowan, who uh, has McGowan. done... McGowan. <laughs> it's M-C-G-O-O-H-A-N. McGowan. Sure, whatever. <laughs> McGowan. I could be getting lead mixed up with the Pogues lead singer. Yeah, that, that was definitely yeah. McGowan. Yeah, no, uh, it's not spelled that way. No. Who, um, <laughs> uh, who has done done a bunch of stuff since? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, has, has kept working, but he also co-produced this. Yep. Uh, number six is interrogated by number two every week. Number two is replaced. So mm. every week there's a new number two. And who is number one? Uh-huh. You are number six. You know, this is a. Uh-huh. Aha. Who part, is number one? That's the question. You know, one one of the great things about the uh, the opening credits is. Number six asks that question of the new... He says, who are you? I'm the new number two. And uh, number six goes, well, who is number one? And all number two says is, you are number six. <laughs> and I just... I love that. It's so intriguing. So is the is the answer actually ever revealed in the I, series? I don't want to say too much because Josh... About why he resigned? I'll, we'll talk about this once Josh has uh, watched the whole series. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I, I reckon everybody listening to Box Cutters should go and watch it because I'm loving they should. it. Interestingly, too, Patrick uh, McGowan, McGowan, McGuin, whatever his name is, did star on that episode of The Simpsons as well. And he's also... As himself, as number six mm-hmm. on, on the show. And he also appeared uh, as number six in a, a made-for-TV movie called The Laughing Prisoner. Oh, okay. Which was uh, Stephen Fry and, and that bunch oh, doing a okay. rip-off of The Prisoner. Doing a rip-off. Oh, okay. Uh, has anybody tried to escape the island yet? Have you, have you seen people try to escape... Oh, sorry, the village? Have you seen... I've, I've seen people try to escape the village. Oh, that's another great thing. Have you thing. seen what happens to them? Rover. There's this giant white ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this giant fantastic. white ball. One, one, of the, one of the absolute fantastic moments of television, I think, that, that white ball. It's a, a giant white ball that comes up from the water... Somewhere in the water, wherever there is water. And I know our listeners are thinking, a giant white ball? That doesn't sound scary. But watch the show. It's scary. It's terrifying. You're going, oh my God, this, it's coming. It's, you know, the first time you see it, you go, what the hell was that? And then you go, it's coming. And yeah. you don't, I don't, I also don't know how they did a lot of the special effects on this show. Yep. I don't know how they got the giant white ball to move forward. It's not an obvious thing to me. Mm. Like, well, the, like the baby in a razor head. If you remember that, uh, that uh, Coke TV commercial uh, from the 70s with all the people actually inside it running yeah. around, that would have been how they did it. No, but you can kind of see through Just the white ball. Oh, it must be. Oh, and there's an excellent midget. There's an excellent midget in, who, uh, who plays the butler. His name is uh, Angelo Muscat, and uh, and he plays the butler in in the series. He's always the butler for number two, and his facial expressions are just golden. There are so many great things about this show. I'm just sitting there going, "Well, when am I going to be disappointed? When? 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 Apparently, never." I, I'm 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 guessing <laughs> some of our viewers are going to go to the video store and they're going to see the covers and they're going to be disappointed. Yeah, well, you know, if you can get it, if you can get it on DVD, do. It's called The Prisoner, and it's a 1960s show. 
So here we are back in what we might laughingly call the present day, uh, unless you're listening to this podcast many hundreds of years in the future. Um, what year? In, in which case, what have you done with our race? <laughs> what what year Stop was that? Stop enslaving our race. Stop enslaving. It's not impressing anyone. Robots. Um, what what year are we talking about? Episode fourteen was uh, two thousand and five. Oh, you were so young and innocent. I know. Now I wanted to mention just because um, you talked a bit there about the rovers, which which we were saying are the the giant. Uh, oh, the the, gi- the giant balls. Okay, and and I had no idea how. They, you know, and I, I love magic tricks. I mm-hmm. love science, fi- uh, 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 special effects tricks, and and I love to be able to sit down and work out how they did. Well, these this, this is one of the things. I mean, I, Giant ball, I cannot work out. I, I love the president. It's such an amazing show because it is such a beautifully stylized show. It's so sixties and has such a strong design, you know, uh, sort mm. of ethos to it and one of the things I found interesting um, about the rovers they never call that on screen but the, you know, the, the giant weather balloons is and this sounded so apocryphal to me but I found this, this quoted in a few different books about the prisoner apparently they did design and build a robot that was going to be the thing that would be you know, chasing him and the stories are either it just didn't work or the other story is that they put it onto the uh, ornamental pond in the middle of the, uh, the village to film a scene and it just sank <laughs> Uh, so they were they were kind of a bit desperate for a new prop, and there apparently were these weather balloons people kept seeing from a nearby weather station. So they said, "We'll get some weather balloons because you know nothing's more terrifying than a weather balloon." And the way they actually filmed them, and this is so beautiful, and I love this. Is you know how when when the rovers appear, everyone stands perfectly still so that they don't get smothered by the rover, and it tends to chase one person. Mm-hmm. What they would do is everyone would stand still. They'd pull it along on a bit of rope, and then then play the film backwards. So. The rover is actually being pulled along, you know, by a bit of fishing line. And when you play the film backwards, it gives it this really weird bouncing towards things quality. And uh, now that I've told you that, you can watch it and and, and ruin the effect. Because it it did seem like there was something weird with the film of it. It did seem like it was either sped up or or slowed down in the way that yeah. old film sometimes looks like that. But it's actually backwards. But it's backwards. That makes so much sense. So everyone's saying stock still while you uh, while you drag this thing in the in the reverse for where where you want it to. And and I think this is something that we don't get enough of in television. I, I, we don't get that innovation. I honestly do. Yeah, I really I agree with that. I love the fact that it was it, everything about the rover is budget, um, you know, dependent. It's basically desperation with no money. They can't CGI it in. They can't do anything else with it. They've had to just go, you know what? Grab that weather balloon and bit of string, play it backwards. How much scarier than a shit robot? Yeah. Yeah. And if it was a shit robot, uh, I think these days we'd just be going, oh, God, that show looks terrible. But having added in a weather balloon that smothers people just is just terrifying on such a bizarrely yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of abstract kind of way. And I wanted to ask you, too, because uh, when you recorded that in episode 14, you hadn't seen the end of the series No, yet. I'd only seen five episodes. Uh, now, you have seen the end of the series? I uh, have. Now, it's a show that sets up a number of questions, which is, like, uh, who is in charge of the village? Who is number one? You know, why has number six been brought there? Uh, and we, don't, we don't want to spoil anything for you, but it's, it's, it's a show that I can't even say whether or not it even answered those questions. I'm not saying it didn't answer them. I'm saying I'm not even sure if it did. It, well, but, but what did you think? Shortly after I read, sorry, shortly after I watched The Prisoner, I read The Trial by Franz Kafka. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many similarities. I, I read, by the way. Yeah, totally. Books and everything. Wow. Uh, I, I saw so many. I, actually, I read the classic comics version of The Trial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I saw so many similarities between 
the trial and the prisoner that I thought, well, there, there must be th- that kind of correlation. The end is very Kafka-esque, very, very much of a Kafka nightmare uh, s- scenario. Uh, does it answer any of those questions? I don't think it needs to. I think it, uh, it exposes new questions that make the old questions redundant. Well, I actually think for the end of a series too, because we've talked about, um, you know, there were, there were different responses to the end of Battlestar Galactica, shall we say. Sure. Um, the, I, I've met people who liked it. Yeah, I, I've heard of those people. I saw some of them online. Um, it could have just been the same person posting multiple times. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, there are, uh, Adam C. from, from Flip the Tape, actually. He likes the end of it. Um, it it's, but it, it wasn't necessarily... You know, uh, endings can often be disappointing. Sometimes they can be quite literal, like the um, the end of the original Life on Mars, the English version. It's it's perhaps what you're expecting, in a way, with their mm-hmm. little twist on it. The end of the American Life on Mars is just batshit crazy, which is kind I, of... I love even more. <laughs> I, I was, in its own way, it's quite, it's quite endearing. Um, oh, it was Josie and the Pussycats in outer space all, all along. along. But it's interesting with, with The Prisoner that it's just this completely abstract approach to it that, that oddly enough, is kind of satisfying because it's just not what you're expecting. It, it makes it actually makes perfect sense in the context of a series that did not make sense. And this is what I'm thinking about with with Lost because obviously there there are a lot of similarities between The Prisoner mm-hmm. and Lost in in themes and and style and, and concept. Uh, people all, all people wanted were answers to Lost. All they wanted were, were answers. And I think if Lost finished the same way that the prisoner finished, people wouldn't be able to handle it. They would not be able to handle a situation where uh, now, in in the present day, a finale started to ask more questions, making the old questions redundant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I absolutely loved the final episode. The, the final episode is actually, it's pretty much a two-parter. Uh, and uh, Leo McKern comes back as uh, for his stint as uh, as number two, and, and who could not love Leo McKern in anything? You yeah, know. I know. But Leo McKern makes it always better. Is Rumpole? How could you not love that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so Rumpole comes back as number two, and uh, it, it's also such a sixties ending in itself. I mean, it's just the whole show's been so sixties, and then it ends in such a sixties manner, in like a head movie. It's, yeah, it's almost yeah, like yeah. a head movie. Uh, but then it kind of moves from being, you know, Kafka to being. Uh, head movie to being weird Benny Hill segment yeah. right, right yeah. at the end. And, uh, and so it just it, it kind of encompasses everything we know about television from that time and could not be done now. I, I just I well, don't think it can be done now. They have remade it, so it'll be interesting because undoubtedly we'll, we'll look at that in our future box cutters. Um, there are some, now some clips going around online from the new production with Sir Ian McKellen playing number two. Um, and Jim Kelziel, I always mispronounce oh, that. Oh, Kels, Kelziel. Jesus. Jesus playing number six. So I'd be curious to see, because I, I don't think you'll uh, be able to... I, I don't think you can recreate it. Yeah. As, uh, on, uh, on Jim Kelziel, my theory is that his name is Jim Kale mm-hmm. in the same way that Dale and Pasco is Dale and Pasco. Yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going with that. So uh, that's the prisoner. I highly recommend that you go and get yourself the DVDs of it, even just for suggestions on furnishings for your house. I mean, I, just, I oh. love that show. Oh, it's it's really it is really an amazing piece of television, mm-hmm. and it would be a shame if it's forgotten. And the, and the thing is, it's called the prisoner. And if you ever saw the the VHS covers, I mentioned this in the. 
uh, in, in the recording, if, if you ever saw the VHS covers, you would think it was the most horrible show in the world. I thought it was about a guy in a prison from the covers of it. Right. And, uh, and it's not. It's not in any way about a guy in a prison. I thought it was going to be this bleak horror. It's got a lot of humour in it, and it's just... Uh, it holds a, a place very near my heart. And I'm, I'm upset that I spent all those years not having seen <laughs> the, the Prisoner. Uh, so, yeah, that's The Prisoner. You can check it out. We'll put a, a link up on the blog mm-hmm. uh, of how you can uh, you, you can actually purchase that you from can. the Box Cutters store. Oh, hurrah! I know. We haven't mentioned that in a few weeks. No, no. So, well, that's The Prisoner done and dusted. What else are we presenting the lovely listener with? Well, I think, uh, I think I'll play this sting. <laughs> And then we'll talk about uh, Brian Ankervis. Brian Ankervis is the voice that you hear at the end of uh, of the episode when we move into Pork. See, mm-hmm. I think of the end of the episode as the start of Pork. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think once at that we, point you can just switch off. Yeah. Yeah. Once once we get into Pork, it's it really is just news that Brett hasn't had a chance to say. It's yet. time to put your coat on, isn't it? Although you, John Richards, recently have had quite a few good and appropriate pork segments. Uh, last one, I remember I was just plugging my own side projects. So that was actually was not, not useful. That's, nor- that's exactly, <laughs> what, that's exactly <laughs> what pork is for. Exactly what pork is for. Anyway, before it was called pork, uh, Ross came up with the idea to have a, a segment called uh, Strangely Compelling Content. Uh, and, uh, and then it was called APT, which was an acronym. It stood for Strangely Compelling Content. These are all in-jokes that if you did go back and listen to all the old episodes, you would get. But why bother? I'm explaining them now. And quite frankly, nobody really talks about them anymore. So, we had this segment at the end of the show where we would just talk about stuff that we couldn't fit into the rest of the show. Brian Nankervis came on, did that ID for us. We thought it was genius and only later realised that he didn't actually mention his name in it. Uh, and so, this, this segment became Pork. This is the interview that we recorded before he did that segment. Uh, Brian Ankervis has been in a number of shows. I'm sure I do an excellent intro. So listen to this. Enjoy it. We'll be back. Box Cutters. Welcome now to Box Cutters, the wonderful Brian Ankervis. How are you? I'm very well. Good evening, Josh. Good evening, Ross. Good evening, young Brett. Good evening, Brian. I've got two questions for you. Lay them on me. What was the first concert you went to? The what? The first concert you went to? Oh, the first concert. Well, the first real concert was the Kinks in about... Well, it was about... It was when they put out Lola, Mm -hmm. because I know there was great furor because it was banned. Um, uh, It was at Festival Hall. It was about 1971. And the irony is that my second daughter is is called Lola. (laughs) Very happy to see the king. Was that ironic or intentional? No, that was intentional, I suppose. <laughs> because, because she was born and you went, mm, she looks like she'll have a masculine gait. She looks like she's going to be one of those strange types around <laughs> a weird bar in Soho. And the second question? Yep. Uh, what was the first album you bought? first album I bought was via the Australian Record Club. Uh, and I... How old were you? Three albums, the soundtrack to The Graduate by Simon and Garfunkel, the best of The Who, and I'm very, very proud to say Bob Dylan, Highway 61 revisited. Oh, excellent. Oh, well, 
And the big question, have you managed to get yourself out of the Australian Record Club since then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but man, it was so exciting because you'd order these records and then a week or a month or, you know, a couple of months later, this big cardboard parcel would arrive and, oh, it was very exciting. <laughs> and as opposed to the World Record Club, they were real records on, you know, they weren't sort of mocked up just for the record club. Ah, oh, okay. Right. Now, of course, uh, we're asking you all of these questions because you're one of the hosts of Rock Quiz yep. on SBS television. Yep. And it's coming back. It's coming back, yes. Uh, Saturday, July 29, we return with the first episode of Series 3. Uh, they're all 40 five-minute episodes. Oh, that's longer, to, th- longer this series. Yeah, a little bit longer. We were sort of hassled by uh, viewers who demanded more, and uh, we found that, you know, towards the middle, about the middle of the second series, we really started to hit our straps, and just too much good stuff was wasted and lying on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was all good stuff that's on the floor. <laughs> there was a bit of uh, a bit of dread, um, but no, they're good, and we've been able to put back in the first series. Um, listeners may remember that we used to show a little package of how we selected our punters, our, yeah. our sort of contestants, and then during the second series, we dropped that just because we ran out of time so we've been able to put that back uh, and the whole thing is allowed been allowed to sort of um breathe a little and that's a technical term <laughs> i'm not quite sure what it means and you, you've also got the duets album out yeah. at, at the same time is does it surprise you that you know this show small show that you just shot at the SB because it's local and fun yeah. uh is is now you know such a, a huge part of the uh, SBS repertoire and, uh, and just culture in general. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I'm absolutely delighted. And, you know, when you start a show, you just think, oh, well, we'll just do one series and they'll tell us to go away. And then, But then once I think once we started doing it, we sort of thought, hey, I reckon this is pretty good. And, and people did love it right from the start. So I'm... I'm absolutely delighted but um, you know when we're, you're in the ESPY and you're watching Tex Perkins and Deb Conway do Love Hurts or, or Martha Wainwright and Dan Kelly do Slave to Love in a way and when you listen to it back and watch it back we knew it was pretty good so we always thought oh and you know I was involved with the panel for years and years, mm-hmm, I used mm-hmm. to do the warm-ups for the panel, yep. and um, you know they were selling their CDs by the truckload, and their music was crap. Well, look, <laughs> uh, you know I've got to be careful. Don't I? <laughs> yeah, I don't, Brian. It was shit. <laughs> no, there was some good moments. There was some wonderful moments. <laughs> now, Brian, are you on a cordless phone? Uh, yes, I am. It's buzzing like crazy. Oh, is it? Would you like me to wander here? Oh, wa- that's a great spot. Stay there. How's that? Yeah, beautiful. All right. Now, you're, you're no stranger to our screens. Right. You've, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being on Boxcars. No, uh, <laughs> of course, you were, uh, you were in the excellent Let the Blood Run Free. Yes, 
available now at all good JB Hi-Fi stores. <gasps> no, really? Yeah. In fact, in fact, when uh, we started doing Rock Quiz, the first bit of press I did was at a, um, a, a corporate FM station that shall not be named, and the sort of jock introduced me as Brian Nankervis, uh, you know, Raymond J. Bartholomew's, and of course, um, featuring in the soon-to-be-released DVD of Let the Blood Run Free, and it was the first I'd heard about it. <laughs> so did you call up Ian McFadden straight away and go, who's lining their pockets with this? Absolutely. <laughs> and he... Oh, no, look, don't... I can't start there. Right? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff we can't say. There's a lot of people who you end up working for that perhaps you don't necessarily admire... <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, let's you know. Let's I mean, just leave just, it at he's he's producing the the uh, the wedge, wedge now. Yeah. So now look, Ian. I mean, you know, Ian is a wacky. He's a such a sort of brainy. He's one of those guys with an enormous brain, and and there's so much going on up there that unfortunately a bit gets left out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the, the Blood DVD. Oh, look, it was just really frustrating because it was such a sort of shoddy product and it was such a wonderful show. I mean, it wasn't. It, it was certainly... Uh, we made two series and one got shown here. The other one got shown in places like Zimbabwe and Spain. Well, I had a bit of a cult following in the UK when I was over there, yep, like yep. 10 years ago. And, and I thought Germany really loved it as Germany well. Germany loved it, Spain loved it, Holland... Yeah, and it was a great, it was fun and we did it ourselves and, you know, we had such fun doing it and to have it come out without any notes and without any extras, it was really frustrating, Yeah, I have to say. And it was also... No stars commentaries. Yeah, nothing, none of that at all. But Blood itself was probably the first interactive television show. I suppose so, really, yeah. For those who don't remember, at the end of each episode, the, the action would be poised on a cliffhanger and we would invite the audience to vote, you know, should Effie jump? Of course, they voted overwhelmingly for her to jump. Uh, should Warren, you know, kiss the matron? Uh, anyway, these plot points, the crucial cliffhanger plot points, and the audience had to vote on them on the so, phone. So was this back in the day when, when viewers had to send in their answers on the back of a postcard? <laughs> no, it was a phone call. It was, but it was, it was back when you had two different numbers, one for this option and yeah. one for that option. And I know that, Brian, because every week I would call and vote. <laughs> oh, good on you. And you know we know that. <laughs> and we really thank you. Because I, I really, I truly loved the show so much. Oh, uh, good on you. And we certainly did follow, you know, there was always the suspicion that we just simply did the whatever we wanted to do. But we actually, I mean, we always had, you know, we knew which ending. We, that we knew, we had, we wrote the endings to both. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you wrote the, uh, the beginning of the next week. That's right. Yeah that could go either way. But, but we did follow the, the audience vote. And then you still had to shoot the show that week and, yeah. and edit it and get it up to get yeah. it onto air, which I I think is amazing. Yeah. You also were a regular 
as Raymond J. Bartholomew's on Hey Hey. Yes. What was it like to work in uh, in that studio? It was good. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I never really... T- until the end, um, for the first sort of five or six years, I really just sort of came and did my bit and went. And I was sort of... You know, Raymond J. really started in sort of at the last laugh and he was a sort of product of the Brunswick Street. I mean, he was a sort of a satire of the, the you know, inner city poets. Mm-hmm. And so part of me was always slightly, not embarrassed, but, you know, I knew that Hey Hey was definitely um, a long way from sort of my, my roots or, or Raymond's territory. But I also knew that it was incredible exposure and it meant that I could work and I could travel around Australia and and work so I was always very grateful but I didn't tend to I really just went in did my bit and left but then towards the end I got a little bit more involved I did a pantomime hey hey at Cinderella uh, (laughs) at the Palais Theatre with Red and Wilbur and John Blackman and and of course you know they they were totally charming and and lovely people and um we all had a nice time and uh, are you a bit jealous now that you know wilbur's on understanding 50s and uh <laughs> oh you guys are great where, where do i get this podcast <laughs> you uh you find it at boxcutters.net <laughs> okay <laughs> You can say anything you like, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's uh, that, that's the beauty of it. Nobody knows where we live. What a fast. <laughs> that Vega FM is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a golden opportunity that was just totally squandered by a bland, unimaginative, gutless playlist. I think this is the the start of a, a new segment on Box Cutters, Brian, and we will call it Brian Gets Stuff Off His Chest. Oh, oh well, I just think it is, and I really... Because, um, you know, I put my hand up for a... I, I sort of got a hold of the, one of the guys that was doing the programming and said, look, you know, there's a brand-new FM station. I'd love to do a show. But the more we talked, the more I thought, nah, this is going to be really land and they're not going to take any risks at all um and i just think they they could have done something fantastic because because yeah. you were you, you did a, a wonderful radio show on uh, triple r where we R. record this podcast yeah. with uh, the excellent and late linda gibson yeah the wonderful linda gibson um and yeah gibbo and i had a, a show big big wednesday for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then we moved to the weekend big saturday um, and we were given, well, of course, like all Triple R shows, you're given this incredible freedom, but, you know, they're smart. They give it to people who they trust, and, and the results are, are incredible. And I just think a, show, a, a radio station like Vega, they could have taken a leaf out of Triple R's book. Anyway, they haven't. Yeah, well, fools. Yeah. <laughs> fools is, is what I say. Now, with the... Sorry, Brett. Did you want, did you want a question? No, okay. Uh, with uh, with, with your, your previous work as as Raymond J. Yeah. and uh, and also in in Blood. Yeah. And now coming to Rock Quiz, do do you miss doing characters on television? Oh, no, not really. I mean, I'm I love doing what I'm doing. Um, 
I get, I still do, like I do sort of probably 50 or 60 school shows a year and believe it or not, I trot out Raymond J. Bartholomew's and I do um, corporate events and I MC functions, so I still put on the beret and so I'm more than satisfied with any desires to um, to do character work. Um, sometimes I feel, you know, when I'm sort of in the sort of slight background on Rockwiz, I think, mm, you know, would I rather be up front hosting? But Julia's so wonderful. And I also think it's really important to have a woman in the midst of this sort of male... You know, because the world of the rock nerd does tend to roll a little bit towards the middle-aged bloke in Blackburn <laughs> who may or may not have a beard. <laughs> um, so it's great having Julia up there. So, no, I'm very happy and I get to produce and I get to write and I get to, you know, sit back and watch these incredible musicians perform. So mm. not very happy. Now, have you, look, have, you, have you sold it into or looked at selling it into other territories? Uh, we certainly are in the process. We're, we've registered with um, a mob called Screen Time who, you know, seem to have, have a lot of runs on the board. Uh, it looks like there may well be a Spanish version of Rockwiz. Mm-hmm. So selling the concept to the Spaniards? Yeah, well, apparently they can't... They're not going to call it Rockwiz, though, because it doesn't sort of mean anything in the translation. They're calling it I Love the Music. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, oh, see, it, it could have been the John Paul Young song, I Hate the Music. That's right, of course. But, no, we're, we're, we're desperate to... We, you know, we'd love to have an American... Version. We've had a few, you know, internationals. We had Adrian Ballou, the sort of um, guitar whiz who, you know, has played with Bowie and Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. We had him on uh, in this series coming up, and he was very excited about it and wanted to take it back to America. And Glenn Tilbrook we had in the second series, and, you know, he said, oh, this would be great in England. But, you know, it, it's all... Everyone gets excited and talks about it, but... It, it's it's a hard thing. The wheels turn slowly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And and you know they'd have to find a room as steeped in rock history as the Gershwin room at yeah. the Espy. Oh, I reckon that. I mean, you know, you imagine in London there'd be some. Oh, the old Hackney Empire Theatre. That's right. Or the what's the one? The Town and Country. Down in Brixton, yeah. Town and Country Club. I actually did a gig there as Raymond J. Bartholomew's and really just escaped with my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is in 1992. I made the fatal mistake of assuming that uh, 200 people in a comedy venue in London, like 200 people in a comedy venue in Fitzroy, would, you know, think that Neighbours was a crock of shit. <laughs> and, uh, of course, they didn't. <laughs> and they hated me right from the start because I had the the um, how dare I um, put shit on neighbours? Mm, it was tough. Uh, see, they didn't realise you come from a country where nothing is sacred. I know. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah, I did about half a dozen gigs in London, and uh, yeah, with varying degrees of success. <laughs> 
Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on Box oh, Cutters. Pleasure. Now, can, tell us again, Rockwiz, okay. when's it on? The spiel is that Rockwiz is on SBS, and it is marvellous working for a network where friends will occasionally say, oh, SBS, oh, I don't get SBS. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't understand it or the reception's no, poor? No, they don't get the, you know, oh, no, I, well, we can't get SBS. Yep. <laughs> Our reception's uh, not right. Uh, no, SBS, Saturday night, 9.15. First episode goes to air this week. Now, because you're podcasting, who knows when people will be hearing this, but... July 29, for the next nine weeks, we've got some terrific uh, artists. Martha Wainwright is the only guest we've asked to come back. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, Archie Roach, Kate Sobrano, Gareth Lydiard from The Drones, uh, the girl from The Audrey's, and, uh, and the, the finale is an all-star featuring Tex Perkins, Tim Rogers, Rebecca Bernard... Deborah Conway, Dave Larkin, and Ella Hooper. Oh, fantastic. Um, I think they all need to take separate planes, because otherwise, you know, Oz Rock will... It was fascinating. We thought, what a great idea. Let's get them all together. And then we came to rehearse the final song, and we thought, hmm, was this such a good idea? Because, you know, there was six lead singers... All wanting to uh, be the star. Be a lead <laughs> yep. No, they were great. It was great. Uh, and yes, and there's a CD of uh, 19 duets, and there's a DVD of 28 duets. Fantastic. In the shops from August the 5th. Thanks so much, Brian. Oh, Brian and Curvis, everybody. Thank you, lads. Oh, Brian Nankervis, when will you ever learn? <laughs> Don't pretend like we heard a thing he said. Uh, yeah. We're just top and tailing We're these just, people. We really are. Really? <laughs> there, is, there, there are no secrets here? Oh, and can I say for, for Narelle, one of our listeners who wrote in once, we don't actually do it live to your iPod. I know you think we do, but, but it, it's all right. You, <laughs> you, you can actually phone me while listening to it. <laughs> That's hilarious. And beautiful. <laughs> and lovely. Yeah. And lovely and considerate. Yes. Can yes. I say? Mm. <laughs> no, I, I got an email saying I was going to call you and I thought, oh no, I can't call him. He's, he's doing the podcast. And then I realized <laughs> it wasn't live. It was just on my iPod. That's great. That's a great story. That, that, that is great. <laughs> uh, so, Brian Ankervis, thanks so much for, uh, for being a part of Box Cutters. Maybe we could, uh, I don't even remember what year that was. I'll find out. Okay. I think it was 2006. It was in the past. It was It was in the past. <laughs> that brings us to the end of Box Cutters uh, Winter Special number, 1. Number 1. The first of our winter specials. Mm. The first in a series. Of two. Of two winter specials. <laughs> We're taking a couple of weeks off, except for these bits uh, where we came in especially to do them. But clearly not live to your iPod. No, not live to your iPod. Yeah. Thanks but very to much. someone's iPod, they are live. Oh, yeah. Spooky. Thanks very much to Joy FM. No, no, Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. You have to say that or else apparently boarding and Christians will sue them. Do you want me just to say that again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much to Joy 94.9, whose studios we used to record this bit. And thanks also to 3RRR, whose studios we used to record the other bits where you heard Ross. And Brian Nankervis and us talk about The Prisoner, except for the bits where John and I talked about The Prisoner and they were done at Joy 94.9. Don't get it mixed up. 
do not get them mixed up. People will be very angry. If you want to email us, hooray at boxcutters.net, or you can send us a text, 0458-CUTTER. And please uh, leave messages on the blog. Let us know what you thought of this episode and what you think we should do in the future. And if you'd like to hear us revisit some old bits of box cutters and talk about how how we see them now, please... uh, Mention those in the blog as well, and, uh, and and we'll see what we can do. Also, hair and makeup tips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send them. Well, you know, John's got a beard. Brett's got a beard. Yeah. I don't have a beard. Should I? <laughs> I, I, I was so curious where you were going with that. I, was just, I, just, yeah. I just think, I think sh- should I? And if I shouldn't, what should John and Brett do with their beards? Oh, it's the age-old question. It, it, it is. It is. Thanks very much to listening to Box Cutters. Until next week, my name's Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.